Hey guys, and welcome to this episode of Pizza Plus Coffee Equals Code. You might remember the awesome game 20XX. Well, we're here with the folks from Battery Staple Games to talk about the sequel 30XX. Hey Chris, uh, can you give a bit of a uh, background, I guess, on uh, who you are, what you do, and uh, maybe a little bit about 30XX? Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Uh, I'm I'm Chris from Battery Staple. Uh, I'm the creative director on on 30XX, uh, which is kind of like co-op roguelike Mega Man X. So it's a uh, an action platformer uh, roguelike that supports full multiplayer, either local or online. So you get that uh, that crisp action platforming that you're looking for from that sort of '90s era action platformer, like a Mega Man X kind of game. Uh, except it's all randomly generated every time you play it, so you're going to get fresh weapons, powers, bosses, all that good stuff every time you go through, uh, and multiplayer, so you can enjoy it either uh, with the buddy on the couch or a buddy online. Uh, and it's a it's a sequel to what I would call a, a hit game uh, already with 20XX. Uh, how is, how's 30XX different uh, to its predecessor? Oh my gosh, it's different in so many ways. Uh, so with with Twenty XX, you know, we we developed it for for about five years, start to finish, uh, between day one of the project and when we finally shipped the uh, the versions on consoles in uh, in mid late twenty eighteen. Uh, but even after having made the game for five years or so, we still decided there was so much more that we wanted to do with the formula uh, that it just sort of made sense for us to, you know, instead of sort of incrementally changing the game and sort of continuing to develop 20XX for several more years, we thought it really just, so much more we wanted to do, including change the art style, that it really just made sense for us to shoot for a whole new title. Uh, so the first thing you'll notice uh, if you see, you know, uh, trailers or screenshots of 30XX and you're familiar with the first game, uh, we've we've really drastically changed the art style. We've gone from kind of a, a higher res sprite work style to a really high quality uh, pixel art style, which we think just fits the game really well. Uh, we've we've doubled sort of the amount of, of content diversity in the game, so we've gone from sort of four unique stage types to eight. Uh, we've given our two main protagonists entirely different sort of toolkits this time. Uh, so in the first game, uh, Ace and Nina are protagonists. Uh, they behave very differently at first because Ace's weapons are all melee and Nina's weapons are all ranged, sort of buster weapons. Uh, but they got the same set of, of boss powers over time, so by the end of the run they would feel like they kind of had access to the same tools. Uh, this time around, both characters have different resource systems and different toolkits available. So Nina still has her eight boss powers and her energy resource that she's managing, but she can combine any two of her powers together to sort of have awesome combo fusion effects for each of her abilities. So she kind of has 64 powers uh, in a sense. And Ace's abilities uh, are all sort of bound to the controller all at once. They're not combinable, but they're all sort of available to him via button combos. Uh, and he has a sort of rapidly regenerating style gauge. So he's not really doing the whole long-term resource management thing. Uh, instead, he's just sort of uh, weaving his, his special techniques in with his, his basic attacks and movement. Uh, so the characters control very differently we've mentioned the art style change we mentioned the content change uh we've just added a feature uh, as of last week uh, that we're calling mega mode uh, which basically takes the sort of traditional roguelike structure of the game and sort of turns it on its head a bit uh, where we remove permadeath entirely uh, and make it so the levels will stay the same until you beat them uh, so when you start a mega mode run uh, we're going to generate the entire game up front all of the levels instead of being generated one by one uh, will be generated totally in advance before you play uh, and then as you enter each level, uh, you'll have, you know, a chance to get through it. But if you don't, uh, any power-ups you found during that level will still be held by you. Any levels you've previously completed will still be completed. You'll still have those powers. Uh, so you can either try the same level you died on again, or you could maybe try a different level and sort of uh, see if uh, one of the other levels uh, has a better match for your, your current toolkit so you can maybe get a little more power somewhere else. 
Yeah, so that's just a couple of sort of the the big things that we're doing differently in 30xx. Uh, but really, we're we're sort of doing deeper systems changes across the board. Uh, so when you ask the question, how is the game different? It's kind of different, at least deeper in almost every way, uh, except for things like uh, basic game feel and controls uh, and sort of the multiplayer capacity of the game, uh, which are all things we we feel pretty good about from the, from 20xx and don't really want to change. Uh, you talk about the the art style, uh, at least from uh, you know if people are looking at trailers and stuff. That's sort of the biggest drastic change that uh, right. they'll notice. Uh, what drove you guys? Yeah, what drove you guys to head down that pixel aesthetic path? Uh, we just we always knew I always knew that uh, this kind of game would fit really well uh, with just very high quality uh, pixel sprite work. Uh, and then in late 2018. Uh, you know, we didn't necessarily intend to finish 20XX and immediately start making a sequel. Uh, but in late 2018, we saw uh, Glover Kotaki, our, our art director for the game, uh, on Twitter saying, hey, uh, I have a few hours in my schedule uh, for the next couple of months. Uh, does anybody, you know, have work for me to do? And I said, yes, yes, me. God, yes, me. Uh, Glauber is the uh, the artist and animator from Rogue Legacy, from Chasm, from Duelist, just a, a super, super gifted uh, pixel artist and animator uh, and a fantastic guy to work with. Uh, and so we sort of started prototyping a couple of different things uh, and we eventually settled on, you know, uh, I think I think the, the 20XX sequel really just looks fantastic in this style uh, and we should really just move forward with it. Uh, and so we really, we decided to move forward with the sequel because we found kind of the right artist for those changes. Uh, and then if we're looking at the, the characters, Ace and Nina, uh, you had a couple other characters as well uh, in 20XX. Are we expecting uh, potentially down the line some more characters coming into 30XX? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so in 20XX, uh, in addition to Nina and Ace, we also had two DLC characters, uh, Hawk and Draco, uh, and then a handful of sort of side characters that are all sort of uh, hard mode versions uh, of the other characters in the game that are kind of... You know, they use very similar toolkits, but with a couple of restrictions. Uh, so in 30XX, uh, we handle character differences really uh, differently, uh, to use the same word too many times. Uh, so in the first game, uh, the distance between characters to sort of have a new character that feels new and different enough is relatively low. Because in the first game, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Nina and Ace feel very similar by the end of a run. So a character with sort of some basic new gimmick, some basic new sort of driving force behind their build uh, was sufficient. Uh, but this time around, because Nina and Ace are so different, before we add fully new characters, a la, ooh, excuse me, uh, Draco and Hawk, uh, it's really important to us that we make sure any new character feels sufficiently different from the other characters in the game. Uh, and so the sort of character depth this time around is uh, is a lot stronger than it was the first time around. And so we'd like to add characters. We plan on adding characters, but it may or may not happen before 1.0. Uh, that said, uh, we really do want to continue to work on 30XX for quite some time after the game actually does fully release. You know, our, our dream here is that the game is doing well enough that it makes sense for us to continue to build content, add new stages, add new powers, items, weapons, all that good stuff uh, for quite a while after we actually get, you know, quote unquote 1.0. Uh, and so we definitely want to build new characters. Uh, we're just not ready to promise it yet. Yeah, it seems fair with the just how different everybody is. And uh, as you say, you've got to make everything unique so that they feel at least uh, uh, special in a way or a reason to play exactly. the character. Bingo. No matter how we release them, you know, they've got to have a reason for existing. Uh, in particular, uh, so Draco in, in 20XX, 
uh, actually has some of his kind of design philosophy applied to 30xx Ace. He's already kind of so new Ace has kind of taken over part of part of Draco's whole uh, game feel uh, from the first game, uh, and so Draco would have to change pretty drastically for him specifically to show up in 30xx. Uh, Hawk, on the other hand, you know, a little bit easier to manage. We'd still have to figure out what to do with with her powers. So Hawk's Hawk's deal in the first game is that she has a couple of of unique boss powers that only she has access to, uh, but she also has access to the powers that the the regular you know the standard characters do, uh, and especially with power fusion around this time, that as a basic concept gets a lot spicier, because the moment let's say for example we give Hawk four new powers that are only for her. You know, does she also have access to Nina's power fusion? If she does, are we supporting a 12 by 12 matrix of powers all of a sudden? Uh, a couple of questions that are that are pretty hard to suss out and are definitely not at the top of our list right now. Uh, you talk about uh, the replayability as well um, with the, the random generation. Was that a, a primary goal uh, of this game? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we always knew, uh, going back to 20XX, uh, you know, it was our first commercial project. Uh, we knew that, A, uh, we always wanted to be playing more Mega Man ourselves. Uh, and so sort of a replayable kind of that game made a lot of sense to us. And at the same time, we knew there was something that we had to do for the first game uh, to really sort of set ourselves apart from just a, a typical Mega Man game. We knew that we were amateurs. Uh, we knew that we were kind of learning all of this as we went along. And so we knew that there kind of had to be something different in the in the premise, in the sort of core offer there uh, to say, you know, we're not... We're not trying to go toe to toe with, you know, the the greats you remember uh, from from the 90s, uh, but here's sort of this thing we're doing differently, uh, and so hopefully that is fun for you. Uh, and so that was kind of those are kind of the two big driving forces behind making it replayable. Uh, you know, we, I personally just love replayable games in general. Uh, I love roguelikes. I love anything that can throw sort of unique situations uh, at me, and you know up to some of my friends uh that's a, a big draw for me as a player so it definitely also influences the kind of games that i want to make from a from a coding standpoint uh when you've got something like random generation of your levels how hard is that sort of difficulty curve to to get right you know it's more about how for us it's more about how the how the generator works and sort of how it's stitching levels together uh than anything else uh, so for us uh we kind of internally have uh this is this is a little bit of a simplification uh, of the way it really works, uh, but all of the all of the levels themselves are stitched together from from individual chunks, uh, and the chunks themselves are sort of semi-defined. They have some enemy pa uh, placements, some hazard placements. Most of their basic platform placements will be the same every time that specific chunk is loaded, uh, and the chunks themselves have difficulty ratings associated with them. Uh, so we know that uh, the you know early in the game. Uh, we're really only going to be throwing chunks that are, are relatively easy at you. Uh, and then the deeper you get into a run, uh, the more often we're going to be pulling from the, the medium and eventually hard difficulty pieces. Uh, so from an algorithmic perspective, it's mostly just knowing which pool of building blocks to pull from as you build the levels, uh, which simplifies the process a bit for us. Uh Looking at uh, 20XX uh, on Steam, it's got very positive reviews, 92%. Uh, <laughs> nice uh, uh i'm gonna take a little segue for a crazy question who writes those sure. steam system requirements uh i wrote them <laughs> <laughs> they're amazing uh they're great thank you for very much ah <laughs> oh, they were fun uh always good to put a little bit of, of humor in there oh yeah you know i i take i take the parts of the job i think one should take seriously seriously uh and i tend to not really take seriously everything else 
Uh, and so that includes, of course, things like Steam requirements uh, and uh, a good bit of the writing in the game is very much just kind of my personal voice. Uh, so when you when you see 20XX performing so well, uh, what was going through your mind then to decide whether we should do a sequel or not? Was it was it always in the books or? Uh, you know, it's always been something that we sort of think about a little bit. It's always kind of been in the back of the mind, but it was never a hard decision uh, or a firm decision, I should say. Uh, it wasn't until we, we saw Glauber's availability and he and I had a chance to sort of uh, sit down and workshop together for, for a couple of months, just a couple hours a week, kind of in our spare time saying, you know, hey, do we think this works? Uh, do we think this is fun? Do we like, you know, our working relationship? Like, do we think this is a good idea? Uh, so it wasn't really until then that the idea really solidified. Uh, but we've always known that there's so much more potential in sort of the, the framework we built. Even though we spent five years doing it, there's still so, so much more that we could do. You know, it was our it was our first commercial game as a studio, so there are a tremendous number of learnings uh, that you know you can always you can always iterate on the product, you can always improve the product, but it's you you can't just go back and you know kind of fix everything you did from like a a release planning and launch perspective. Like you can't go back and redo your marketing efforts and things like that. You can always try and really uh, re-release the game, uh, but I don't think we were anywhere to the point where that made sense. Uh, talking about the sort of release plan and stuff like that, you guys utilize uh, Steam Early Access. Um, how useful is that player feedback uh, before hitting the big red go button? Uh, integral, I would say. It is critical. It is one of the most important things about the entire project for us. Uh, you know, every every designer, every developer is going to treat this differently. Uh, for us, uh, our kind of our kind of talent uh, as designers uh, is really more in here's a fun skeleton, here are a bunch of ideas and systems I think are fun, but we could really use sort of the, the deluge, the fire hose of player feedback uh, to help us really polish and iterate over all of these thoughts we have uh, and sort of add in whatever new wonderful ideas come in from the community. Uh, I often say uh, that the in terms of design decisions made for 20XX during early access, uh, a solid half of the decisions we made uh, were based on player feedback or directly player suggestions. Uh, you know, our skill is very much in interacting with the folks who love our game uh, and helping them help us make it better. Uh, so just absolutely critical. 20XX would be a million times worse if we hadn't gone into early access. Uh, and can we expect 30XX to also be utilizing early access? Hundred percent, yes. Uh, so we're hoping for early access sometime early next year. We don't know exactly when yet. Uh, we're, you know, we we try to be in the business of uh, of only making promises that we can for sure keep. Uh, so there's no date there yet, uh, but we'll probably be in early access for something like a year. Uh, you know, we don't know exactly. We have a we have a bunch of internal backlog tasks, uh, an internal roadmap of sort of what do we think the distance between early access and 1.0 really is in terms of the work we already know we need to do. Uh, but we're very aware of the fact that as soon as we go into early access, uh, we're going to discover you know a whole bunch of other work that we didn't know we needed to do yet, or that we didn't know would really benefit the game yet. Uh, and so we're sure that roadmap will change a lot. And so we don't know how long we'll be in early access. You know, we're, we're fortunate enough to be pretty financially stable here. Uh, you know, we can, we have the time we need to work on it until it's done. And there are no pressures on that other than, you know, let's make sure we've got the right product by the time we say, here's early access, or by the time we say, hey, here's 1.0. Uh if you take a look, because there's been plenty of other uh, games that attempt to do this sort of uh, Mega Man-inspired thing, and uh, they don't always uh, hit the mark. What do you think 20XX did that 
set it apart that made it take off the way it did? Um, that's a really good question. You know, I still think I still think games that are heavily inspired by Mega Man X are pretty underexplored as a genre. I don't I don't know that I would agree with the the assertion that there are a whole bunch of games in the genre. Um, but in terms of things we did right, I think it sort of comes down to kind of two cores. Uh, the first is that even when the game entered early access, so 20XX uh, entered early access with zero momentum. Uh, we didn't even have a Steam Coming Soon page. We didn't build wish lists. We didn't know any better. Uh, we entered early access. It was like the week of or the week before Thanksgiving in 2014. Uh, and we sold a whopping 64 copies of 20XX on day one. Uh, and I was I was over the moon. I was super jazzed. I had never intended for the game to be a big commercial thing. I thought I was going to make a portfolio project so I could build my own C++ engine uh, and then go work for Bethesda Softworks. Uh, so the fact that we released this thing in 24, 64 people actually paid their own money to play it was super rad to me. But from the get-go, uh, we had our sort of controls and the core game feel of the game was really solid pretty much from day one. Uh, and so the the art of the game uh, needed a lot of improvement. Uh, I don't think a single asset survived between day one of uh, early access and our actual one point of release. Because, you know, it's the first game. We learned so much every time we built a set of assets that we'd get so much better uh, and sort of uh, want to really shape everything up and sort of do another iterative pass. And that happened a couple of times with some assets. Um, so the first thing is the, the sort of core promise of the game, even though the game's content wasn't all there, uh, the core promise of the game was kind of there from the get-go. If you saw it and you were like, yeah, this looks Mega Man-y, I want to pick this up and play this, uh, it was probably going to live up to what you were hoping for. Uh, and so that the players that did sink into it really stuck with us. Uh, a lot of them you know, stuck around and, and hung out and continued to give us feedback. Uh, and the second thing uh, is just our, our relationship with our community. Uh, the, the relationship we had with our fans, I know I'm sort of broken recording about this a little bit, uh, but that relationship and our iteration on fan feedback and our constant updating of the game and regular pushes uh, were all a huge part of sort of why we were able to continue to polish the game over time and make it great. Um, so if I had to point to specific things uh, that we did right, you know, things that were specific to, you know, what our studio did that made the game work, uh, I would point to those two things. Uh, and speaking of that community, if somebody wanted to uh, to get involved, uh, I know there's a 30xx demo at the moment out for PAX Online, uh, but is yeah. there websites, links, or places they can visit to get involved? Yeah, thank you for asking. So the big ones are, uh, if you want to uh, sort of keep up to date on what's going on with 30xx, uh, the best ways for you to do that uh, are to follow me on Twitter. So that's twitter, you know, dot com slash uh, batterystaple underscore g. Uh, you can join in with the Discord. Uh, it's discord.gg slash 20xx. It's uh, 20xx because you're uh, only allowed to have one vanity link uh, per server. And we sort of share the community between 20 and 30xx because obviously there's a lot of uh, demographic overlap there. Uh, you can also wishlist and follow the game on Steam. Uh, that also helps us a lot. And make sure that the moment the game's available in early access, uh, you've got... Uh, the first word on that. Other than that, uh, website is batterystaplegames.com, but the principal places that's going to push you are uh, are the places I mentioned above. So follow us on Twitter, uh, find the Discord, wishlist us on Steam. That'll be the best way for you to hear. Sweet. And uh, final question. Uh, the the name of this podcast is Pizza Plus Coffee Equals Code because uh, I'm a software <laughs> developer. Uh, it's my nine to five. Just a good name. Yep. Yeah because uh, that's what drives me late at nights you know chug the coffee yeah. eat the pizza uh, what drives <laughs> you late at night uh yeah i mean the the coffee is a is a critical piece of it for me uh 
I probably drink about one Red Bull every two months on on the most dire of days when I, you know, just the single the single cup or the second cup in the afternoon just isn't enough. Uh, one of the things I found, uh, and this is me like just being or feeling old because I'm in my mid thirties at this point. Uh, when I eat a whole bunch of pizza, I become substantially less able to code. Uh, my stomach immediately says, sir, what are you doing? Sir, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> sort of feels a, a big malaise overcome me. Um, yeah, for me, it's, uh, it's really, it's just, uh, I don't know. I'm going to sound kind of, uh, tropey here. Uh, but keeping my, my ability to, to code my motivation to work, uh, all of that is just so much for me about kind of setting healthy life standards for myself. Uh, it's about making sure I get enough sleep. Uh, it's about making sure I'm not eating garbage 24 seven. It's about making sure I get a decent amount of exercise. Um, you know, other than those sort of basic life maintenance sort of things, uh, the things that really keep me going, and it sounds a little uh, maybe saccharine, uh, but our relationship with the community uh, is such a huge part of it. Uh, every time I have somebody write me on Twitter that says like, oh my gosh, I love your game. You know, this is the, the favorite thing I've played all year. Uh, just knowing that we're actually doing this for somebody, that there are people on the other end that are like legitimately benefiting. Uh, you know, you could sort of debate all day, you know, how useful entertainers are to society relative to, you know, people who do actual good. Uh, but I like to think there's some positive societal value there. Uh, and so those, those reaffirmations of that definitely uh, keep me going. Just uh, bottle that up and put it in a can and start selling it. <laughs> right. Uh, thanks a lot for taking time out of your day to have a chat. Yeah, of course. Uh, I really appreciate it. This was fun. Yes. And uh, good luck with uh, 30XX. Yeah, you know, uh, we've you know hopefully not got too far to go into early access here. So obviously you can play the demo now during PAX Online and hopefully we'll be purchasable in a, a more complete form in, in not too many months. <laughs>